Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Hebrews chapter 13, I'll hasten to a beginning that we might hasten to a close. I promised pastor that I would not take an hour this time. I said that the last time. Those are still my intentions this evening. It was never my intentions last month. So I'm expecting Brother Josh Johnson, if I hit 45 minutes, I want to see you run in the aisles. I need a red flag. I figure that's as good a one as any. I might have to stretch to 45 just to, just to see it happen. I'm going to read and let you be seated tonight. The Bible says in Psalms 133, it says, Behold how good... And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Do you recognize tonight that unity is not easy? It's difficult. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 16 reads, But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices... God is well pleased. It's a sacrifice to do good. You may not want to say amen to that and admit it, but it it is a sacrifice because we don't always want to do good. It's a sacrifice to do good, and it's a sacrifice to communicate. But with those sacrifices, God is well pleased. I want to please the Lord tonight. Would you lift your hands to him and let's just uh, praise him right now in prayer. Mighty God, I love you. I'm thankful for you. I need you tonight. God, I need you, Lord. Order my steps, order my, my speech tonight, God, to say what you would have to be spoken and that only. Anoint it tonight in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. And I worship you for it in Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five tonight and you can be seated. I give honor to my bishop and my pastor tonight. Give honor to Brother Malone, our youth pastor tonight. Appreciate him. Connecting to each other. Allow me for just a moment, if you will, to to make an announcement And we seem to not capture everyone here this evening, but yet I'm going to make the announcement because they might might listen to podcasts. And for those that are here, they'll still benefit from the announcement. And that is, uh, I mentioned this last month, but once again on January the 5th, on a Saturday, to all of our volunteer staff, if you volunteer in any way in this church, we are having a mandatory meeting on Saturday, January the 5th. It is a Saturday morning. That's why I'm giving more than two months advance notice for planning, and uh, hopefully you can work that out and, uh, and be there from 8 a.m. to 10.30. Uh, two and a half hours is all I'm asking for. 
but I find that it's necessary at the close of our Connect series. Uh, we're going to lay down a foundation for 2019, and I'm excited about that. Somebody look at your neighbor and just smile real big. Amen. Fake it till you make it. Connecting is defined. And I went through this last month in series part one. I want to re refresh it for us just a moment. The word connect is defined as to join, link, or fasten together. It is to establish communication between. It is to have an accompanying feature. It is to cause to be associated as in personal or business relationship. It is to associate mentally or physically. And then it is to link an electrical or communication system to hook up to connect. What does it mean to connect to others? In today's technology-driven world, connect to someone has taken on a meaning that it once didn't have. In the context of accepting a connection or a friend request from someone on social media, it has taken on the form of a connection. Whether it is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or any, form, any other form of social connectivity. However, I can connect to someone on Facebook, on, on LinkedIn, I use that one professionally. I can connect to them and really not be connected to them. It's just a superficial connection. To really connect to someone means to acknowledge them. It means to build rapport with them. It means to have a conversation that you both are engaged in and want to continue. It is to develop friendship. Pastor asked this congregation a few weeks ago to go to www.5voices.com and take a test or an assessment on uh, what voice you have or what your, 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 your preferential voice is. He was seeking out recruiting creatives. There are five voices in particular, and they are the nurturer, creative, guardian, connector, and pioneer. And the connector in this form of voice activity, at their best, brings the capacity to maintain large numbers of relationships. It brings the know-how to connect people and their aspirations. It brings boundless creativity, energy, and imagination. They are the tigger of teamwork. They bring connections to new opportunities and networks, and they bring persuasive and inspirational communication. It all sounds great, but only 11% of the population speak connector as their primary voice, which means for the rest of the world, the rest of us that are not necessarily connectors by, by primary nature, this means the rest of us have to work at it. It means we have to be intentional at it. Some people, and I believe the Bible even states this, to have friends show yourself friendly. Or if the Bible doesn't say it, it's an old saying. I don't know if it's cliche or scripture at this moment. That's all right. But it is still a true statement. If you want to have a friend, you have to what? Be friendly. Do you want to approach someone who looks like they are mad at the world? Most ordinarily, most people don't. 
We have to be intentional about developing friendships and relationships. And if we're not intentional about it, it'll never happen. Uh, I've heard story after story after story about my own mother. And mom, if you're listening to the podcast, I love you. But my own mother in her earlier days of life uh, was, was, well, she was quite the moody character. And there were days that she would have a friend. There were days she wouldn't. And it was all based on her mood. If she wanted to talk to you, she'd talk to you. If she didn't want to talk to you, forget it. She's not going to talk to you. She didn't have very many friends. Close-knit relationships. She had friends. She's gotten better over the years. All right? Lord, we might have to edit this just a little bit. But the result of her friendships and relationships were a direct result of her behavior. Amen. Dr. John Maxwell wrote a book in recent years called Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. And in his opening dialogue of the book, in his introduction, he gives the analogy of the bad telephone connection. How many's ever had a bad telephone connection? Where you're just talking away. And you're just blah, 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 and blah, 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 and yeah, 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 yeah. Hello? And there's no one there. And you don't have a clue now on which of the yeah, 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 that you lost them. Right? So when you redial the phone number and they come back online, you say, where did I lose you? It's frustrating. It's irritating. It's aggravating. You were trying to communicate, but you weren't connected. There was a loss in the connection. And because of that, the communication failed. Communication in building relationships, even, yes, even in the church, will fail if we don't learn how to connect with each other. The reason to connect with others, I'm going to give you some scripture tonight. I'm going to give you maybe more scripture than you bargained for because it's important. The reason we connect to others is to provide a sense of community. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 12 says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but, say it with me now, fellow citizens. Oh, let's try that again. Fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom all ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. How do I connect with others in the church? 
There are two different ways that you can connect with people in the church. One is through church service and worship. You're not going to connect with people if you're not here. And the people who want to be here are here, so I'll not dwell there. You can connect with others through worship. Now, I can worship whether you do or not. Now, if I was to be so bold in this moment to say so, there are times I do. All right? We can worship solo in a room full of people. But it feels so much better. And there's such a a greater connection that occurs whenever somebody standing next to me worships. They're not worshiping me. They're worshiping the same God I'm worshiping. And because we're worshiping Him together, there's a little bit more fullness. There's a sense of community in that we have a purpose together of worshiping God. And it just, for lack of a better expression tonight, it feels good. I like what it feels like in my spirit whenever somebody else is worshiping my God with me. The second way that we connect with people at church is through activities and fellowship. Pastor mentioned it this morning. We had had game night Friday night, family night Friday night. It's not just strictly game night, although we do play games, those who are interested in playing games. But it it is a fellowship night. So let me put a a shameful plug in here for just a moment that you, you cannot deny the integrity and the character that is built through good fellowship. We need each other. We need each other in a context where we're not worshiping God. That may surprise some people. I'm not that spiritual. I don't don't walk around in in a priestly robe 24-7. I need some fellowship where that I can just be common with some people. And to be quite honest, people need to see us common because they've already built up an image of us that's false to begin with. They need to see us able to, as we say, let our hair down. They need to see us where that we're able to play volleyball or sit across the table with each other and play a game or sit across the chair from each other in fellowship and talk about work and life and family and friendships. They need to see us in a context where we're not worshiping so that when we do come together and worship, they have a better understanding of who we are. There's power to be gained from knowing that you're not alone. Belonging to something bigger than yourself brings positivity with it. There is a purpose to this life other than what you see just in your solo life. That's why you need somebody else in it. The Bible even declares that that our disciples were also told, freely you have received, freely give. Another reason why we need to connect with people. And it's also the reason why we need to connect with people is that we might make use of our God calling. There 
are some of you here, here tonight, and, and I, don't, I don't have any intentions of making you nervous. I'm not calling on anyone. But I, I could declare tonight with confidence that there are some of you under the sound of my voice this evening who are living beneath your God potential. Because there's not a person here tonight that God doesn't have some call for you. I don't know what it is. But God has a call for you. And it's important that we connect with each other because after we've connected with God and then after we connect with other, each other, then we're going to learn how to connect with the church. And those are three fundamental steps to staying saved. You want to know how to stay saved? Stay engaged. You check out, it's just a matter of time. Because the devil, listen to this. The devil doesn't care for you coming to church. As long as there's no church inside of you. He, he doesn't care for you coming. He doesn't want what happens here to get inside. He doesn't want you to develop a lifestyle of Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, living for God. And I am more apt to live for God on non-church services when I'm connected with someone else at the same church as me. When I'm connected in fellowship, I can draw some positive reinforcement knowing I'm not alone. I'm not the only one with this struggle. I'm not the only one. I feel my help coming now. I'm not the only one that has, has a need every day of the week that I need to lean on somebody for help. But there are things that keep us from connecting with each other. Everybody ready? I'm going to cover two things that keep us from connecting with others. And they're general statements. They're general subjects. You apply them as you need to. Things that keep us from connecting with others. One is judgmentalism. I went through detractors of connecting last month. I think it's important to look at not only what we need to be doing, but what are the things, what are the obstacles that are stopping us from doing it. Judge not. Don't judge me. You're judging. All statements, famous statements, often quoted by those that are doing something that they already know they shouldn't be doing, and they're called out by someone who has the courage to call them out on it. So they irrationally and incorrectly fall back on Matthew chapter 7 and declare, it's probably, it could be the only verse they know to quote, but they, they call out Matthew chapter 7 and say, Judge not. You're judging me. The Bible speaks against that, so you're not supposed to do that. And in essence, those who feel judged make a proclamation against judging and indeed are judging the one that they believe is guilty of judging. So now who's judging? People who make these statements have no idea what the context means. Unfortunately, this text becomes a defense mechanism and not a concern for the interpretation of truth. The truth of the matter is, is that judging is both condemned and commended in the Bible. It depends on the context in which the term is being used, 
Another matter in play here that we must, we must pause long enough to recognize is that the Bible was not written in English. And when translated, the word of choice, judge, becomes an umbrella term for a wide variety of applications. The problem is the usage of the word when applied conveniently by the one who doesn't want to be judged. Because this text has nothing to do with judging in the context that it gets used. John 7, 24 says, Jesus said, judge not according to appearance. In this context, he's not talking about clothing. He's talking about the fact that he had healed on the Sabbath. And it looked like he was in violation to the law. But since he was the Lord of the Sabbath, he wasn't in violation of anything. So he was declaring, don't, don't judge this by its appearance. We are told in Galatians 6.1 to restore someone in the spirit of meekness should they fall. This requires a certain sense of judgment. Because we have to properly discern what they have done correct and what they have done incorrect. Matthew chapter 7 and 1 says, Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. Now, that's not my word, that's the Bible. First, cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet and turn again and rend you. To remove the mote in your brother's eye requires some form of judgment. Otherwise, how would you know that there was a mote in his eye? So what does it mean when the Bible says, judge not? The more correct understanding interpretation of this phrase when looking at it in the right literary context is that of the subject of criticism. Don't pick on people. The message version, I believe, says it this way. Don't pick on people. Don't criticize them. Don't jump on their failures or criticize their faults unless, of course, you want the same treatment in return. Something that will keep you from connecting with someone else is criticizing them. Amen. Wouldn't it be refreshing to be part of a church where brothers and sisters encouraged one another, loved one another, unto good works, in spite of their apparent weaknesses? Allow me to give you a newsflash this evening. You have a weakness. I have a weakness. In Luke's record of the judge not phraseology, the scripture reads this way in Luke chapter 6, verse number 37, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Pastor just mentioned this next verse, I believe, in, his, in a prayer this evening over the offering. He said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. 
For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. We often, and, and I know this is how it was intended earlier this evening, we often and maybe most often refer to verse number 38 in a very positive context. But the truth of the matter is it's written, written kind of neutral to declare both positive and negative. Whatever you give out. I, I look at this verse in a different way after researching it this week, that whatever I'm giving out, I'm giving it and it shall be given back to me. Not just those good things. But if I'm, give, if I'm dishing out criticism, then criticism comes back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. That's a whole lot of criticism coming back. By interpretation tonight, that means we must be careful. Because connecting with each other, you want to see the church grow? You want to win souls to Christ? I thought we'd have more amens than that. Do you want to see the church grow? Do you want to see souls born again in the water and of the Spirit? We need to learn how to connect with each other. We need to learn how to connect with God that we might be in the right frame of mind to connect with someone. Because newsflash for you again, not everybody's going to be like you. You're not going to like everybody, but you need to know how to connect with them. And if we can't connect with them, we're not going to win them. Number two, I move on. Number two, detractor of connecting with others is lack of acceptance of people who aren't like us. When you look at the definitions of acceptance, yes, there is a definition of the word of acceptance that means approval. But if you study it deeper, it's not the only definition. And we, we have to be careful in the English language because you can have one word that has 15 different meanings. There is a form and a, a, a virtue of acceptance that also means just very simply the state of being accepted and to receive. I believe tonight with all of my heart that it is possible to accept someone and not agree with them. I believe that we should accept people in the frame of reference of receiving them in spite of whether or not I agree with them. I'm not suggesting that we approve of sin. I'm not suggesting that we approve of lifestyles that are not in compliance with the Word of God. But I am suggesting that you cannot be a light and win someone if we're turning them away. We have to receive them. We, and to receive them means I've got to accept them to the point that I can have a conversation with them. I can shake their hand. I can smile at them. I can pat them on the back. I can worship with them. I can praise with them. And I can love them. For if we are to love as God loves, we have to resign ourselves to the reality that I'm going to love someone that hates me. I'm going to love someone that hates God. I'm going to love someone that hates the church. I'm going to love someone that talks bad about the church. I'm going to love someone that despises everything we do. Because my love is not based on their love for me. It's based on the love of God. So there has to be a receiving or an acceptance. I'm not agreeing with them. I'm not approving them. I'm just receiving them. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse number 19 says, 
For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews, watch this now, Paul says, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, under the law, he says, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak, he says, became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. Let me stop right here before we read this last phrase. What's happening here? What's happening is the Apostle Paul, regardless of what crowd he's with, he's just being real. He's not trying to put on a a facade of, well, I'm so much different than you. Our outward appearance goes before us. And if we are not careful, and I say this carefully tonight, because I believe in godly lifestyle and holiness, but if we are not careful, we will focus only on the obvious. The obvious is already there before the two of you ever have a chance to have a conversation. And the more we focus on what's obvious, the more barriers we put up. We need to get into a reality of of, of transparency and realness with people that goes beyond just what I look like. Because my salvation is not based on my dress. I believe we've got to live right to be saved, but that doesn't save me. There are people that I know today, not in this church, not in this community. Most of you don't even know them, so don't worry about it. But there are people that I know today that haven't been to church in almost two years, still dress godly, but they're not saved. That's a judgmental statement based on the Word of God because you can't stay home and be saved. The Bible does not support that. Nor does it teach it. Last statement here in verse number 22 says, I am made all things to all men that I might by some, might by all means save some. You know what that means? It means in modern day vernacular, if I'm, if I'm standing with a, an avid fisherman and fishing's all he knows, I, I need to talk fishing. I'm not a fisherman, so I've got to fake it till you make it. All right? And and, and I'm playing the role of the novice, so I'm just asking, oh, is that a bass? Oh, really? I thought it was a bass. Some of you will get that later. I've been fishing twice. They were both with you. So, twice. Well, actually, I've been fishing one other time, about 25 years or so ago, well, longer than that, I've been married almost 25 years, so it's probably about 27, to, Lord, I'm getting old. It was a long time ago. And I didn't have any luck. I caught limbs. I, I'm a good stick catcher. Man, I can catch sticks. I can talk about catching sticks all night long. 
And I think out of our two occasions, Brother Mike Penrod, that we've been fishing together, I've caught one fish. I caught two. Did I really? Are you sure? Praise, praise God. All right. I've got to correct my fisherman story then. I've been telling everybody I just caught one. I've been cheating myself. But I've got to talk fishing. I'm not a hunter. But when I'm with my brother-in-law, I'll talk hunting. Right? I'm not a mechanic. But I'm with my father-in-law. We, we can talk about carburetors and whatever. And I may not know half of what he's talking about, but I'm going to smile like a basket full of chipmunks. And we're going, we're going to have a good conversation. I can do that with my family. I need to be able to do that with the lost. I need to be able to do that with those that don't favor me. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm reaching tonight for the church to learn how to connect with people. And where we know how to connect it, to develop a burden, to connect with people. Because we need to connect with people that want to be saved. And if they have a desire to be saved and they come in this house and they don't feel connected, One of our declarations is that this is a place where heaven and earth connect. And if we come in this house, let me tell you how dangerous this is and how serious this is. We're not here playing church. We come to church, and if, we, if this does not become a place where heaven and earth connect, the lost going to find somewhere else. And it might be a place that don't even preach full truth. But if they can find a place they can connect with, they're going to stay. So that leads me to my next statement. And again, I say this carefully tonight, and I want to say it sincerely. We have to understand that, that it takes more than Acts 2.38 salvation and talking in tongues to connect with people. We need to be able to connect with people when the Holy Ghost has trans... It's gone. It's kind of... Whew, the fire's died down. And, and I'm back in my natural... My na you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I can leap over a wall and run through a troop anymore. I, that, that, that power is gone, and, and it's just me. Just me and God and a dog named Boo. Just me. I need to be able to relate to people and connect to them. People we don't typically accept readily in society. The poor. Those who come in and they stink. Those who don't dress like you. The homosexual. If they come in and sit on the left side, the people on the right side start whispering. Come on now. I know I'm just talking to the church tonight. The prostitute. Those of another race, another color. You know what? When we have conversation... This is Soapbox 101, 15 seconds, and I'm off of it. But when we have conversation about other people, we shouldn't have to say, well, that's a black man or that's a Mexican. Because when God created man, he created man once. What color they are is irrelevant to the conversation. It's a man and it's a woman. All right, I'll move on. Those of another language or culture... 
We don't accept them. More often than not, I, I see more people laughing at them than I do accepting. Because they have difficulties relating to English as a second language. You know how funny that is to us white Americans. Let me be bold and plain tonight. The first people he came for were not white Americans. Read your Bible. We got grafted into the vine. We're here by grace. We're not here by family. We need to be extra thankful tonight. We don't need to be judgmental against those that are not like us because there's a, there's a group of people that's not like us that are family. I would to God tonight that there would be a prostitute that would come in and sit next to somebody and put you in an uncomfortable situation where you either got to pray or move. And I hope you pray. Well, there's a whole lot of things I don't know about them. There's a whole lot of things about you they don't know. So now let me lead you into 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9 where the Bible reads, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Somebody shout, me! But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but you are justified, not in the name of your outward appearance, not because you come to church every time the doors are open. It's important, but that doesn't save you. It's I am justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I'm saved by grace. I live with mercy. And every day it's brand new. <clears throat> Let me tell you something. Forgetting where we've come from is dangerous. Forgetting where you've come from is dangerous to your ability to witness with humility. And unfortunately it seems like the longer some of us are saved, the less humility we have about it. We need to reflect back 20, 30, 40 years ago when God found us. <clears throat> Maybe, maybe perhaps some of you came to church from the bar room. Maybe some of you were the mistress. I'm not looking. I, I don't know anything. I'm just, I'm just spitballing. Maybe, maybe some of you were the mister. Now 30 years later, 30 years removed from that, we forget and then we don't connect with someone else who comes into church where instead of seeing them as how different they are, we need to see them with the love of God so deep and so rich that we see ourselves in them 30 years ago. And we relate immediately to, oh, I know what that's like. I know what they're feeling. They need God. And then we connect with them. We start building relationship with them. We pray with them. We worship with them. The disciples... Getting nervous. <laughs> the disciples would not accept Saul of Tarsus. For some reason, they did not believe that such a great salvation could be extended to someone like him. 
Understand that. The disciples that were told, freely you've received, freely give. But because of what they knew about someone, they judged him so critically and criticized him so harshly that there's no way he could be saved. He just wants to kill us. He's got a motive. <clears throat> Acts 9 and 26, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Now, on one hand, I can extend an arm of compassion and I can say, considering the lifestyle Saul lived, okay, maybe. But on the other hand, these are the disciples that ate where Jesus ate. They slept where Jesus slept. They prayed when Jesus prayed. You would think they would have enough spiritual discipline about them that they would recognize. We need discernment. And they lacked discernment in that moment. I'm so glad tonight that God didn't only see what I was, but he saw the potential of what I could be. How many in this house tonight are glad that God didn't see what you were? But he saw what you could be. Would you just lift your hands for a moment and praise him for that? Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the song that says that you saw not what I was, but you saw what I could be. Oh, God, I thank you for your blood and your mercy. When we fail, we refuse to connect. When we fail or refuse to connect, we create division. And division is the last thing we need in the church. When we fail to connect with each other, we create division. You don't have to agree with someone to love them. Oh, but the Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? The Bible does say that in Amos chapter 3 and verse number 3. And if you read that carefully, you find that the two that it's referring to are the words of the prophet and God's judgment. Not two people. We need to stop waiting on God to fix what we need to fix. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind, that's unity, and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them are, that are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions, that's divisions or strife or arguments among you. We need unity. Stand with me tonight. <clears throat> we need unity. We need unity. We need unity. We cannot connect without unity. We cannot connect to each other without a mindset of togetherness. Now listen to me carefully here tonight as I close. You and I do not have the biblical or spiritual luxury or authority to cherry pick who we connect with. That's division. I want to ask as many as are willing, I'm not going to pressure you tonight, but if you will come to the front here tonight,
if you are willing to, I'd like as many as would to gather around the altar together this evening. Connecting to each other should not be an option for us. I don't know what you came expecting tonight. Maybe this is a little, a little too deep and somber for some of you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.